today among us and we welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to our broadcast today from Hickory Bible Tabernacle. We're glad you're with us. We realize some of you are sitting live today and some of you are going to be archiving this service and listening later on, but we are honored and blessed to have you with us. We just invite you now to pull in, join your lick of fire with ours and the people who are here today. And uh, we just trust that the Lord will take the whole day, everything we do, and consume it by the fire of God and allow the presence of his blessings to reach every one of you. There are many needs among us. There are many concerns. There always will be as long as we're in these bodies on this earth. So we want to bind all of those together now and ask God's blessing uh, upon every need and and, uh, upon this service today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have to be able to gather in your name. And Lord, even though we are separated by a little distance today, we know, Lord Jesus, that you care about each one of us. You hear our cry. You're attentive, Lord, to the things that we have within our lives that we we need your touch for. And so, Lord Jesus, we commit the day into your hands now. And we have an expectation and a hope that you will speak to us, Lord, in a very specific and a very direct way. We thank you, Lord, for all the mothers today and those that are listening, Lord, who have special memories and uh, special experiences, Lord, when it comes to Mother's Day. We just ask your blessing upon each mom and all the work and the labor that they do. It's a special time for us to acknowledge their sacrifice and their dedication and their love to us. Lord, we pray now that you would just take everything we do, and Lord, may you shower your blessings upon it all. We ask it in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Sing it with me now as Brother Keith comes again. Bless the Lord, O my soul.
let's just bless the Lord one more time now. Oh, yes, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy, holy name. Amen. Welcome you this morning, wherever you may be, whether you're at home in your car, in a truck, uh, whether you're in North Carolina or Texas or wherever you may be. We are just so happy that you are here joining us. I know I am so excited to be here. I left Dallas, Texas at 6 a.m. yesterday morning just so that I could be here. And uh, I tell you, God is so good. And uh, it's just such a wonderful feeling to turn in that parking lot out there. It's like I can feel him already when we turn in, and I'm looking forward to the day whenever I turn into that parking lot and I see it full of cars again, and this congregation is, is all filled up. But until then, we're going we're gonna to worship him the way that God has provided. We're going to let him know, so we're just going to jump right in. Let's sing that old song, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Jesus keeps me singing. You know, it's bright, sunshiny day outside. It's a bright, S-O-N, sunny day inside, or wherever your home may be. So let's just enter in and worship. <clears throat> There's within... Oh, my, isn't he wonderful? I just love the words to that song. Though sometimes we go through trials and, and takes us through, our, our path doesn't seem like that that he knows where he's going, but we always come through on the other side much better than what we were before. Uh, we're going to have a couple of specials this morning, and just before we do, let's just sing that song, um, the, that little chorus as uh, Sister Sarah Coffey gets ready to come. Oh, how I love Jesus. <clears throat> oh, how I love Stop. 
Sister Sarah, for that beautiful song. As uh, Brother Mitchell's coming to sing at this time, let's sing uh, There Is None Like You. I want to say I, I appreciate Mitch very much. Um, you know, he, he celebrated a 24th birthday yesterday, and he's just a, a special kind of guy. You know, people talk about all the blessings of God and outside of your own salvation and, uh, and your spouse that God gives you. The greatest blessing is having your children that have given their heart to the Lord and and choose to serve Him, and I'm so thankful for that. And uh, I really appreciate Mitch and what he stood for and uh, his life that he leads, and uh, just a great help and a blessing to me and his mother. Amen. We're going to go on into the service, and as Brother Barry comes, I'd like to sing this uh, song. We're doing the key of E flat. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. You don't have to be sitting right here for God to be awesome. He can come right down in your living room where you're at or your car or wherever you may be. He's awesome all the time. Just just bring him in in that presence and whatever you're praying about, whatever you have need of, he'll minister to those needs right there. Just believe it. 
And let's sing this as Brother Barry comes. You are awesome in this place. Praise the Lord. We'll ask the musicians just to hold on for a second here. And I'd like to uh, just uh, have your attention just for a couple of moments here as we uh, just open up the service this morning. And uh, I'll tell you right off uh, this morning that I'm not going to be ministering. It's been very, very difficult for me uh, to be able to uh, type and, and do any kind of uh, normal work. Even holding a book is difficult for me uh, because of the surgery that I had. So Steve's going to come uh, this morning and he's going to minister for us and we're looking forward to that uh, this morning. We welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus and we're also uh, glad to have the many folks that are streaming. Uh, Brother Steve's uh, assembly that uh, he's looking out for in Virginia are with us this morning and uh, we're glad to have all of them. And uh, we welcome all of you. So just in the way of making a few preliminary remarks this morning, uh, just wanted to wish Sister uh, Jen Irish and Sister Angela, Angela Pritchard a happy birthday today. Uh, it's Mother's Day and their birthday, and we just pray that God's blessing would rest upon uh, them. Also, May 14th this week, Nathan Brown's birthday. Nathan, God bless you. And then May 16th is Sister Carolyn Powell's birthday. And may the Lord bless uh, bless her. We uh, recognize that today is Mother's Day, and this is unusual because we so enjoy having our uh, mothers together on Mother's Day. It's always a special day for us and a day when families normally and generally get together and celebrate uh, the uh, person of our mother who's very important to all of us. And I'd just like to say this, uh, all of us have memories. We all have feelings when it comes to Mother's Day and Father's Day. But I'd just like to say this, that the way that God arranged things, and this is not our choice, none of you had a choice over this matter at all, but the way that God arranged things is that every single child who ever came into the world came automatically bonded and attached to her mother, to his mother. And God arranged it so that fathers had a different role uh, in uh, dealing with children and the upbringing of children, but but, uh, moms have a special attachment to their kids. And uh, I think for, um, you know, when I think about my guys and our our early life and married life and and, uh, dealing with our boys over all those years, uh, I just saw the profound and uh, significant influence that my wife had on the boys in, in not only educating them, but more importantly, uh, uh, directing them to give their hearts to, to the Lord at an early age and to serve him and to love him. And she was certainly a great, not only a great teacher of that, but a great model of that herself. And I'd just like to say that I appreciate her very much and her years of sacrifice. And uh, I don't know, maybe fathers are in this world only to be a witness of what their mothers really, what mothers really do. Uh, so that they can tell the rest of the world how great their wives are. But uh, we applaud all of you mothers today, and may the Lord richly bless you in this unusual time and uh, give you a restful and a peaceful day. Um, We also, too, want to mention a couple of prayer requests. We have uh, Sister Karen Morglea, who has uh, been dealing with problems with blood pressure now for a while. And uh, we've been talking together, and I I just... uh, told her that I would like to be able to bring this to the church so we could pray. Uh, we have many people who are devout prayer warriors, and so we just would ask you to remember Sister Karen uh, in prayer. We also want to remember Brother Mike Walls uh, and his family, some people in his church who have been affected by the virus, and Brother Mike asked me if I would uh, remember him in prayer today in the church. Brother Hector Alfaro's mother, who is in Chicago today, Brother Hector is listening 
uh, with his wife and some of the believers there. She turned 94 this week. Uh, she's dealing with cancer, and uh, we sure want to hold the family up in prayer. Also as well, Sister Molly uh, heard from the family this morning. And Sister Molly, is, uh, she had a couple of good days earlier in the week, uh, but she's just been very silent and very quiet over these uh, last uh, 48 hours especially. So we certainly want to remember her and uh, Drusilla, the rest of the family who are caring for her. Just trust that the Lord will bless them. I have regular contact with brothers in other parts of the world and especially in Africa, and uh, it's very difficult for them. Uh, in some places, the governments are excessively controlling, and in other places, especially in Central Africa, uh, the governments give no control whatsoever. They don't say a thing. They don't suggest anything. Uh, they don't provide any care or support uh, for the economy, for the workers, for the sick, and uh, it's a very, very difficult and trying situation over there, and uh, there are some churches that are still meeting, some that are not, and uh, it's been a real challenge for the pastors over there. As a matter of fact, I've talked to many pastors over the uh, over this week and over the last month or so, and it's been uh, generally uh, kind of a stressful time because we've never walked this path before. Uh, we didn't uh, assume that our churches would be closed and we'd have to go through the process of thinking about reopening. And uh, it's kind of a very... Um, it's been a bit of a stressful uh, season for us because we still continue to desire to minister to the flock and to keep everybody connected, to keep the bills paid, to keep everything flowing just as best we can. And then in the midst of all the uh, bits and pieces of information that are flying around and all the theories, uh, we have to uh, work our way back into the sanctuary again. Uh, and for those of you that think, well, if we open up the doors and everybody comes back, it's all going to be the same. Uh, unfortunately, it's really not. And so we want to uh, do our very best in following number one. This is the way I prioritize it. That we want to follow his leading and make sure we're doing things in accordance with what the Holy Spirit would have us to do because he's the primary one. Secondly, we want to get the best information we possibly can and be able to use that so that we can come back together in a way that not only conforms with the laws of the state, but also keeps everybody safe because we don't want to uh, have anybody uh, jeopardized at all but when coming back to the assembly. And then the other thing that is important for me is that my job, I believe, as a shepherd is to protect the flock. Not, uh, not only the people who uh, maybe have a complaint or people who are speaking loud, uh, my job is to minister to the flock and the vulnerable and to do all we can to minister to everybody so that uh, everybody's cared for in a time like this. So uh, it's going to require, uh, for all of us, it's going to require patience and a lot of grace and a lot of, uh, you know, just a, a willingness to be able to merge back into the flow. And uh, I just uh, trust that the Lord will give us wisdom in knowing how to do that. I think of... Um, you know, in terms of uh, my, con my uh, messages over the last uh, month or two, and I've tried to maintain a couple of things very consistently. And if you're, uh, I, I, maybe I could just summarize them in three simple statements today. And number one, I believe still that God is in control. Nothing's changed. God was in control before we knew about this. God is still in control, and we have nothing absolutely to fear. Number two, God's a healer. No matter what we encounter in this life, God's a healer. And he has many avenues of healing. 
and we trust and pray that God would touch those who are not well, either with this virus or with other conditions uh, today. And then thirdly, let me repeat again and say, we have nothing to fear about the future. Because if you're a person who's a friend of God, you have a leadership and a guidance through the dark hours that lay ahead of us and times of uncertainty and all the other things that are taking place in the world, we have a leadership that the world knows nothing about. And so therefore, let me reiterate again, God's in control, nothing's changed. God's a healer, nothing's changed. And we have nothing to fear. So we want to follow his leading, and we want to do things in accordance with his word, first of all. And then secondly, we want to get the best information we possibly can in order to do things safely and properly and timely when it comes to getting back into the church. And thirdly, I think it's important for us to protect everybody, the vulnerable especially, in times like this because we want to make it uh, a positive experience for everybody to come back. At the beginning of this whole experience, I gathered my family together in our house, and we prayed, and we asked for God's protection over our family and all that we would have to do during this time, which we didn't know all what lay ahead of us. But we prayed and asked for God to protect us, and I'm thankful and I'm proud to report today that he has. And, and I, every day when we pray, I'm always thankful for God getting us through another day, another week, another uh, time period, and I, I attribute that uh, protection to him, and I'm very appreciative of that. And you should do the same thing and just say, Lord, lead us now to the next step. Lead us now to the next level. I believe that God is actually trying our faith, and I believe that's only going to increase. And so, therefore, we had to be ready to exercise the faith muscles over all these uh, days that lay ahead. And all the things that God has taught you and all the things that God uh, has ministered to you, I believe we need to take those things out and we need to put them, actually put them in play. We need to put them in practice now because it's not, the message has never been just a bunch of new doctrines and thoughts. The message is life to us. The message is Christ to us. And we believe that he's the one who's leading the bride. And so we cannot pin the blame for this whole circumstance on anybody. It isn't my fault. It isn't your fault. It isn't President Trump's fault. It is what it is. And so therefore, no matter what the circumstance, and no matter where we find ourselves, and no matter whether we're listening at home or in the building here with half the crowd, or you're in the fellowship hall listening or whatever else, let me tell you something. God's in control. God's a healer. And we have nothing to fear about the future. And everybody said, amen. amen. We appreciate the congregation being here today. Uh, we're restricted, restricted, obviously, by the numbers that we can have in the building. And we, we are glad for everybody being here and the sacrifice everybody's made. Brother Keith drove in from Texas yesterday to be here today. And uh, we just are thankful for the effort everyone made to be here today. But now we're going to turn it uh, over to Brother Steve, and I just trust that uh, you will uh, pull in and just pull on the gift. And I will assure you that even if you're listening uh, by phone and amening by phone, uh, there's just some, some divine connection that takes place when you interact that way. And it's very encouraging for the minister to be able to hear uh, the, hear the people responding and, and uh, seeing the amens come in there. And uh, so we just trust that you'll do that today and you'll be blessed. Just a reminder, tonight at 7 we'll have our men's meeting uh, with uh, Zoom and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to having you uh, with us this evening at 7 o'clock. May the Lord bless you. Let's sing the little chorus, Have Your Way, as we invite Brother Steve to come this morning. So uh, if you want to get your Bibles out, be ready and uh, just be expecting what God will say to you today. Have your way. Lord, 
Let's pray just together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the word that is ever true. Regardless of how much the world around us changes, there is one thing that we can rest assured upon, and that is that your word will remain true. And so, Lord, this morning we ask that you'd speak to us upon that basis. Lord, that you'd give us what we have need of today. We pray a special blessing upon all the mothers that are listening and those who who perhaps are not, that you'd be with them and give them a, a wonderful time today. We love you and we thank you so much, Lord. We move ourselves out of the way, wherever we may be in our living rooms, where I stand, wherever we may be. May we just move ourselves out of the way and listen just for a few minutes to you speaking, Lord, and may may I move myself out of the way as much as I know how so that you can do that. And so we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, musicians. That'll be all for now. It's, uh, it's really nice to be able to be behind a pulpit and um, to have musicians. Uh, it's been a little, bit, a little bit too long since we've been able to have that, so that's really nice. But uh, it's good to be able to speak today, and I'm thankful to Brother Barry for giving me the opportunity and to... Uh, to have the, the, the privilege to do so, and uh, to all the congregation in Virginia that is listening, God bless you, and um, we miss you very much, and uh, to all the congregation that is not here, we miss you all very much, and look forward to getting back to um, a new normal. I'd like to say um, that I, I, am, I am thankful uh, to Brother Barry for making the decisions that he's made, and um, I I've been kind of out of the loop a little bit with um, with the church here and, and knowing what's what's going on. But in Virginia, we we've been uh, having radio serv- or phone hookup services and things like that. And um, I, I I'm I'm thankful um, to Brother Barry for for making that tough decision to have to meet like this. And it's not it's not fun. It's abnormal. And um, it's difficult, but it's, I, I believe it's necessary. And um, it's, it's the shepherd's responsibility to make that call. And, um, you know, if you, if you talk to the people who have experienced COVID-19 and they, they have it or they've had it, and you go up to them and stay six feet away and ask, ask them about it, I don't think you would want that. I don't think anybody would want that sickness. So if we willingly subject ourselves um, to gathering together in, in the way that we, we always were without any, any regard to protecting one another, then I think it's uh, irresponsible in the face of Scripture when it says we should be harmless as doves and wise as serpents. And this right here is not the forsaking of ourselves together. This is the assembling of ourselves together with the use of technology, which I believe, and I've heard several other ministers say, I believe is, uh, I believe Zoom and, uh, and streaming was created just for this time. And I may be crazy, but uh, I think those guys in that conference room in Silicon Valley, uh, they didn't have a sweet clue what they were doing when they developed this technology. And I think um, actually this technology was developed in, uh, in the 60s, actually, in the, in the 70s. And um, then it just spiraled into what it is today. And I, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And uh, I'm also very thankful for uh, a pastor who would 
care about his assembly so much that he would um, uh, make the tough decision to protect those who have weak immune systems and those who have strong immune systems and, uh, and to gather together like this. And I just wanted to say that because I, I, you know, I, I think about the assembly in Virginia and I love them and care about them very much. And um, if you have any kind of you know, illness or anything like that, um, that's on the pastor if we gather together. So um, I'm thankful for Brother Barry for making that decision. I just wanted to say that. That being said, uh, we all miss each other and we want to get back together. And I would like to say as well, happy, uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers who are listening. It's a very special day. You know, everybody says, um, everybody says that uh, Mother's Day was just a made-up holiday um, so that Hallmark could sell cards. And I think, well, great. And everybody also says that, well, every day is, every, every day is Mother's Day. And no, it's not. I really don't think so. I think today is a special day, and I think it's necessary that we pay, uh, pay uh, a special attention to all that mothers do for us. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. I think that's true, and obviously we know that nobody would be, nobody would hear, be here today without their mothers, but I was reading this scripture uh, before I came out, Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five, when it's, it's speaking of, um, uh, of a woman, and he, he says, Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in the time to come. In other words, uh, she is clothes, clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. That's another translation of that, of that verse. She's clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. And I began to think about my mother, and I love my mother very much. I know all of my brothers do, and I owe so much to my mother, and I think all my brothers could say the same. And if we turned out anyway half decent, um, which the, I guess the verdict is still out on that, but if we turned anyway half decent, it's, it's due to our parents and their, their love, and I believe most importantly, their prayer concerning our lives. I think there's power behind a mother's prayer. And I say that she, she, the scripture, it says, and she shall rejoice in the time to come. In other words, she looks at the future without fear. And I think it's, it's how difficult it must be for a mother raising a child in this crazy world. And how much strength it must take for them to raise, raise the children that they've, they've given birth to and then surrender them to a world that wants to gobble them up. How much strength that must take. And I also think it's a great responsibility. So I don't, I don't just thank the mothers that are listening today. I challenge them to accept that responsibility and to look to the future. And with, without fear, but in strength. Brother Branham, he said in 1954, in the resurrection of Jairus' daughter... And he was talking about the, uh, the maniac of Gadara. And Jesus, he comes across the sea. And why he came there, and, and this is uh, the, the land of the uh, uh, Gergesens, which is known as Gadara. And I think I have the right pronunciation on that, but it's Gergesens today. And they, he comes across the sea. And you, you think, why, why would he have come across? And then they, they walk out onto the, to, the, to the road off of the boat, and they get out. And then there's... Uh, um, the maniac of Gadara that's standing in front of them, and then he heals them, and then these things happen with this man, 
in his life. And then they get in the boat and go back, and, and, and Jesus heals Jairus' daughter on the other side of the, the water. And I, you, if you begin to think about that, it's just zigzagging all around the Galilee. And Brother Branham says this in 1954, And that poor fellow, maybe he had an old gray-headed mother somewhere praying for him. And he just crossed the sea all the way over into, into Gadara to give mercy to one man. And I think that's amazing that, um, uh, uh, you know, just because perhaps because of the prayer of one mother, it pulled the Son of God across the Sea of Galilee randomly to, to this place. And we know that God had a, had a purpose in it. So it wasn't random. And I, I think that's amazing. And I, that's why I think it's, it's uh, you know, in Proverbs, 20, uh, Proverbs 22, I believe, when it says, raise up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they shall not depart from it. That's a great responsibility. And I think no matter how much a mother prays or how desperate she becomes, and I believe that a mother's love can drive her to desperation faster than it can a man. And I I, I say that not because I understand what it's like to be a mother, but that's, 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 uh, that's the way God designed a woman. And desperation catches the attention of God. But regardless of how hard she prays or how desperate she becomes or how well a mother may parent, she cannot, she, she cannot parent away her child's free will. And that's why I think it takes so much strength, just from my perspective looking at my mother, it takes so much strength um, to raise a child in the admonition of the Lord and then surrender them to the world um, and, and all that it has to, to offer. And I think it's just an amazing responsibility. So I, you know, I, I pray for um, my mother. And you know, uh, when I think about how she looks at the future and how she must have thought of, of us as children, that's a great responsibility. And I, I think that it's, it's due um, to, to the mothers today to have their, their families gather around them and to give them a hug um, and it's hard to give a hug six feet away, but to give them a hug and to say, um, I love you, Mom. And if your mom isn't here and she's gone on, uh, then I think you can thank the Lord for all that she did to make sure that your future is, was sure. I really think that. Happy Mother's Day. Let's, um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the, to the Scripture just for a minute. I'm not going to take too long, but I, I want to I share something that's on my heart. And... Um, and, uh, and, and speak on a few things here. Philippians chapter 4. If you're there, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 is where I'd like to start. Philippians is a very um, important chapter to, uh, or, or, or book to me. And I'll explain why in just a minute. Philippians 4 verse 11 not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever, whatever state I am therewith to be content. And I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. And I know where in, in, I, everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You can have your seats. And uh, 
Let's just have one more word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scripture. We thank you for this word. We thank you for our mothers today. Bless the reading of the word. Bless the service that we have. We give it into your hands, and in your name do we pray. Amen and amen. If you don't mind, hold your finger in Philippians, and I want to turn over to the book of Colossians. Colossians, the first chapter, and I'd like to read a passage of scripture here, starting in verse 21. Colossians 1, verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. And in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven where I am Paul, where I Paul am made a minister who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up uh, that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I I love how Paul writes um, in Philippians, because to me, soundness of doctrine is assumed. And he focuses on the Christian experience in, in, in the book of Philippians. So, uh, and, and interestingly, he, he actually perhaps wrote the book of Philippians while, while imprisoned in a Roman prison. So he writes it, and sound doctrine assumed, uh, he, he writes that the Christian experience is not something that is um, uh, happening superficially or around the believer, but he begins to focus, it is something that happens within. And he gives, he gives us a glimpse into what kept him strong. And the reason I love it is because Paul is perhaps, he's, if you think about just his mind and the way he's writing, he's in the middle of, of, of a great difficulty, and he's writing in, in, a, in, a, in a way that describes the Holy Ghost in action in the midst of a trial. And I, I just love that perspective that he has, combined with all of the experience that he has up to this point in his Christian journey. He has a lot of baggage to deal with, a lot of emotional baggage, and then as the prophet of God, he understands where God has placed him. He understands that he's not going to die until he, um, until he fulfills that which God has called him to do. And so he's imprisoned in Rome, and he's going through a great uh, difficulty, and he has all of that to deal with. And then on the other hand, he's writing, wherever I am, I've learned to be content. I'm instructed to be content. And he, 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 he allows us a glimpse into what it's like to see the real-life picture of the keeping power of the Holy Ghost, very few of which we have seen up until this point in history. So we have a, an amazing glimpse into the life of, a, of, a, of an apostle and a prophet, a major prophet, who, who is experiencing the keeping power of the Holy Ghost in a believer's life because he recognizes the strength that is enabling his uh, ability to endure. So he's saying, I can do all things... 
through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So he individualizes that. He doesn't say, now all of you will be able to do it. He's speaking from a personal perspective. And so we can see in a great difficulty uh, 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 that, that Paul is enduring the keeping power of the Holy Ghost and one who recognizes that keeping power and who gives him the strength to be able to endure. I love that perspective. Brother Branham says in the sermon, um, uh, why are people so tossed about? He begins to talk about um, it's because people don't have a real genuine experience of coming to the Lord and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So they're up and they're down and they're up and they're down. And he said, once you've experienced that, it changes a person and the Holy Ghost keeps you in line with the Word of God. It keeps you in a way that you can't keep yourself. I love that song, I, I can't even walk without him. I can't even walk without him holding my hand. Yeah. I like that yeah. because it's so true. 1963, in a paradox, Brother Branham, he says, and they fell into the furnace, and he's talking about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, they fell into the furnace and was down there, in all, uh, uh, down there for all this time, and they come out with even the smell of fire on them, and God performing a miracle, and that was a genuine paradox of the keeping power of God against any enemy, when a man is ready to admit that he's true, and God keeps his word and honors those who believe in him. Certainly, I believe in a paradox. It's a testimony of the keeping power of God. So in Philippians, we have this real-life glimpse of, 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 of the power of God. Now, in Colossians, which is the next letter that he wrote, he addresses Epaphras, Epaphras the, the preacher in Coloss. And Epaphras is the pronunciation, pronunciation of his name today. Epaphras was a man who was most likely also imprisoned with Paul, historians believe. Who those historians are, I don't know. But I found it online, and it, it, it seems to be true. But Epaphras, apparently, and in, in, from Scripture we know that he was the pastor in Colossus, but he also may have been imprisoned with Rome, in Rome. So what he was dealing with in Rome, Paul had a, a, a special attention to him, and, and Epaphras knew exactly what this, this keeping power was as well because he saw it in action. So then when we get to um, uh, uh, Colossians, and there, was a few, there were a few schools of thought that were intruding into the church of, of Colossus, and one was asceticism, which is a, 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 um, a touch-not, taste-not type uh, religion mixed with a, a Judaic observance of feasts. So there was this mix of, 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 of Judaism and asceticism that was creeping into the church and it was causing a legalistic attitude to, uh, to the law, to the Mosaic law and things like that. And Paul begins to lay, lay down the effect. And, and from, uh, from our perspective, which I want to talk about in just a second, uh, uh, Paul begins to lay down the fact, rise, rise above the, the philosophic speculation. Just rise above that. And realize that Christ has made known the mystery to the Gentiles. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he begins now what he was speaking of from a personal perspective in, in Philippians. He then turns around to a church who is dealing with a, a, a doctrinal issues. And he says, you need to realize that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he individualizes that to them and to that church. So it, it wasn't just for Paul, it was for you as well. And so he says that 
in, in, uh, uh, in, in, chapter, in uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through vain philosophy, or, or through philosophy and vain deceit, after, the, after the, the tradition of men. So he's saying to them, just rise above the, 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 the philosophy for a second. Rise above the, uh, the, the diagnosis of what's going on, and just realize for a second who you are and where you draw your strength from. And I love this scripture in, in Colossians 1 and 27 which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And God, in his, in, in his eternal plan, he's, he's, cho- he's chosen to make known to his saints, uh, the Gentiles, the riches of his glory, and the mystery, which has been hid down through the ages, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember now, there's four dispensations of the power of God throughout the church ages. There's the lion, there's the ox, there's the man, and there's the eagle. The church nominal is still under the, 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 uh, the anointing of the man age. So the church is still in that place where they speculate on philosophy. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they basically, they take it and they say, well, we have 2,000 years of knowledge and debate about what the you know about what the scripture is about what the um, uh, uh, the uh, could you give me some water the what the scripture is and then um, about how that we think about the scripture and they say well if we have two thousand years of of um, uh, uh, of knowledge then why on earth would we resort to personal revelation. And so when you talk to a, a, a Trinitarian or someone in seminary, they are taught that personal revelation is a dangerous ground to be in, and that's why they, look da- they, they don't look down on, but they look um, very carefully at... Um, six feet away. They look very carefully at... But he touched my water. Lee <laughs> uh, looks very carefully at um, uh, 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 non-denominational churches because they, they think there is no grounding for what they believe. They can essentially believe anything that they want to believe because there's no de- grounding for their doctrine, and the grounding for the doctrine is 2,000 years of, of assembled knowledge and understanding of what the Scripture is and who the Godhead is and how the Trinity is an, uh, in, is an actual truth. So that's what, that's what believers think, and that's what the man-age has, has, is... is the, the anointing of the manage is still on the church nominal. The believer, the bride, comes uh, uh, above that with the anointing of an eagle to rise above that and to see who they are in Christ and to come back to the original truth, which is the unadulterated word of God. So it's the word of God without uh, um, uh, uh, understanding and, and theology and philosophy on top of it. It's, it's just the Word of God and the Holy Ghost acting on the, on the basis of the Word of God in, a, in, a, in an individual's life. So that is a personal revelation of Scripture and who they are in Scripture and their identification in Christ. It is not a personal revelation outside of Scripture. And that's the difference, is that Paul is saying you need to rise above the philosophy and the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world, and you need to understand that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery that God made known unto the Gentiles. I love that. Now he says um, in, uh, in 1962, the countdown, we're, 
we're, uh, we love to talk about Azusa Street, and I love to talk about 50 years ago, and I, f- and I fussed about it. Uh, uh, I fussed at you all week, telling you about where you, uh, how far you've lost from there. But we've, we're so advanced in the Spirit of God into other things that we got, now, they, we got now what they never had back there, which is always God's objective, is to grow and to, and to uh, in, increase His church, grow and in grace and in knowledge, as the Scripture says. So he says, we've got more things than we had back there. They just left the automobile and got off their feet in the air, so they could have had a few spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues, shouting and singing in songs. And why, why they was floating around up there like butterflies, see, certainly that was a great age. But, oh, brother, we've lifted far beyond that now. And the church is way beyond that, the spiritual church. It's the eagle age now, and the astronaut flying on above and looking down at the fellow citizen chicken... See, we're far above that. And we're way up yonder in the heavenlies where Christ becomes the full thing that, that completely takes over and lives his life and acts through you exactly like he did here on earth and will be born into her, uh, 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 like here on earth, an astronaut age. The countdown is on, brother. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Brother Branham is saying, now listen, You've come beyond something that's pure speculation. It's not just the philosophy. It's not just the vain traditions of men. You've come back to the original word, and that enables the Holy Spirit to act upon the basis of the unadulterated word, which manifests the, the, uh, uh, the word in your life. So you become the manifestation of God. You become the expression of God, which is the glorification of the Father. And we'll get to that in just a second. And you know, um, that, to me, this progression in, in the New Testament and how Paul begins to deal with things and the recognition of his strength and, and who he is in Christ and then him, him referring that to someone else and saying, listen, you, you need to back off of the vain philosophy or the, 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 the vain traditions and the vain deceit and the philosophy, you need to back off of that and you need to realize who you are in Christ. And if Christ be in you, then seek those things which are above. So he begins to, I just love that uh, uh, progression and it speaks directly to the believer and, and what we should do. But you know, I was thinking the other day, um, and the reason I, I got into this was um, things are beginning to lighten up a little bit and things are beginning to go back to normal. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, well, I'll say this. My opinion about what matters or what's happening, it really, it really doesn't matter because we all have an opinion and each varies from, its, uh, from the other. But uh, um, things are beginning to lighten up and, um, and, and get back to a new normal. I don't think things will ever be the same. Nothing was the same after 9-11, how we travel, how we, how we go around the world. Um, I don't think everything will, will be the same from this. But for these, for these brief, um, just these brief few weeks let's say a month and a half, in history. So you look at all the history, just these brief month and a half, um, we've had the community aspect of church taken away. And, you know, at this time of social distancing and everything, is an ex- ex- it's an extrovert's nightmare. So if you're an extrovert and you like to be around people, um, you're, you're beginning to talk to yourself and talk to furniture around the room, for the introverts in your family, they're just passing a few more people uh, in the hallway than they normally do. They don't even know what's going on. 
But the, um, the extroverts, are, are, they're just going crazy because they're cramped inside their house and they, 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 can't, uh, they, they can't function. So, um, you know, it's just, a, it's just an unusual time. But we, we love the community that church provides. And it's, 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 it's the order that the church was set in. It's the apostolic order that the church was set in that we would assemble ourselves together. So they said, forsake not that assembling, forsake not that gathering together and, and, it, and listening to the word of God, <clears throat> because that is important. Um, uh, you know, I think um, a tape church is not in order. An assembly in a church who's gathering together with a pastor and they're listening to the word of God, which is a part of the fivefold ministry, a very important part of the fivefold ministry, that's important. That's very important. A tape church is out of order, but this kind of gathering together is in order. And even, even I'll say this, even if we hadn't have gotten together, um, and again, maybe this is my opinion, if we hadn't have gotten together for that month and a half at all, there was no streaming, there was no tape churches or, or um, uh, 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 phone recordings or drive-in services or whatever, we still would not have been forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together because it's our desire to get back together and to gather and to listen to the Word of God. But God gave us this technology to utilize in this time, so we're doing that for the protection of one another. And I think that's an amazing thing. I think the, 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 the desire there is a really important thing. If you just forsake the assembling of yourselves together and you say, well, I'm just going to listen to Brother Random tapes and I don't have to go to an assembly, that's out of order and that's wrong. That's forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Um, uh, it's, it's logical in my, my head. I don't know about anybody else's, um, which is a dangerous place to be in my head. Um, but this community of church is, uh, is, is just been stripped away. It's been taken away, and for good reason. But, uh, you know, we're, we're thankful for the technology that we have. And the, the community aspect was present in the very first church. And I, li- I, I, just, I just want to draw from that. So in Acts chapter 2, you see uh, Peter uh, preached his first sermon um, so he comes out and he preaches a very simple sermon and he says, listen, this is who Jesus Christ was. He came for you. <clears throat> and he begins to uh, say a few points. It's about, you can read it in about, you know, three minutes and 3000 people were saved. So immediately the, the, the spread of the Holy Ghost, just in that five minute sermon, uh, 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 the, the, so many different people were saved and then they begin to assemble in different groups together. And there was different people and, and, um, they, they went through a lot of difficulty in that time, one of which was Saul of Tarsus, one of which was Paul, who was persecuting that church. So they had this community, and within that community, the Scripture says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to, the, and to prayer. And there, uh, there were many signs and wonders done by the apostles, and the believers were uh, together. They had everything in common. You can read this in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. And it says they had everything in common, they took care of one another, and every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. So they actually met, and I, this is actually one thing that jumped out to me the other day when I read this, um, is that they met in the temple courts. So they were actually meeting, talking about Christ and talking about things in the temple courts, and they were talking about these new things. Um, which is probably what contributed to the, uh, the stirring up of, of, of uh, Saul of Tarsus and, and, and what he um, eventually would do. And every day they continued to meet, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together, and they were glad and sincere in their hearts. They distributed needs uh, once, one, among, one amongst another. So if one had a need, they would sell something and, and give it to one another. 
So they had, you can see this element of community that was there, and that's the order of the church that we gather and keep the ordinances of the church together in that assembling. In, in that assembling. So that, that is an extremely um, um, important aspect of it, and I think uh, church dinners are also a very important aspect of that, um, or let's say a fruit of, of, uh, of doing things God's way. <clears throat> Having that element of community stripped away I think has been very difficult for some. I think some people are going crazy just because they don't have that fellowship that they once had. So again, I, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that that, that community, um, uh, uh, you know, that we need that. We're going to go back to that. We've just had an interruption in that. And that's how the church operates is in that community. But in this brief time, it's been taken away. So you don't have that ability to come to church and to worship with other uh, believers, and to, um, like you used to do, or, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, come and talk to your friends and your family, or the, the, your church family, and things like that. You, you, you've, been, you've, you've had that almost uh, uh, taken away for a brief moment of time. And I think, and maybe this is just a personal thing for me, the, the, the time of, of, of corona has caused um, me personally to introspect about my personal relationship with the Lord. Because when that aspect of community is taken away, you really begin to identify what your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is like. You begin to see what that life was like with Paul when he was in, in, the, in the Roman prison, in Philippians, and he begins to talk about, it's Christ who strengthens me, and I'm content with whatever situation I'm in. So you can see the, the, actu- the, the individuality of Christ in a person's life coming to fruition. And when you're in a community of people, that is oftentimes drowned out sometimes. And it becomes more visual when that you have that element of community stripped away. The scripture in Colossians, it doesn't say the mystery of the Gentiles, Christ in those that assemble in Hickory Bible Tabernacle. It does not say Christ in those that assemble at Branham Tabernacle. It doesn't say that. It's the individuality of Christ choosing a person. He says, in, it's, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now this, this was also present in the first church, was the Holy Ghost indwelling individuals <clears throat> and changing their lives and keeping them and causing them to endure hardships, many of which were caused by, by Paul um, and Saul of Tarsus, and they had to endure all of these different things. So, so what was it that was present in the first church was the individuality of the Holy Ghost dealing with an individual and working through their lives and manifesting his own word through their life. And that's what, was in, that's what God was after, and that's the glorification of the Father. The community, uh, it gives you the support that you need, and it enables you to, to have the hearing of the word so that you can grow your faith. It instructs you in the fivefold ministry, working in that community, enables you to grow and to be Perfected, as it says the fivefold ministry is to do, the perfecting of the saints. 
and, and bringing in the unity of, of the church, which is the unity of the Spirit. We're all baptized into one Spirit. It's not uniformity, it's unity. So we're in the unity of the Spirit, baptized into the Holy Ghost. And that is what God is wanting to do, is bring us to a place where we can have an individual relationship with Christ, because it's not to those that, that assemble at Hickory Baba Tabernacle, it's to, the, it's to you, the individual. Brother Branham, he says uh, uh, in many different places, but in 1963, he says it's a personal, individual affair, the person that, is, that, that Christ is revealed to them. So it's not a personal revelation outside of Scripture. It's a personal revelation of who you are in Scripture, in, in the Word, and Christ is the Word. So you have your identification in the Word of God. And he says, it's, and if you have been revealed to me, and then if that life of Christ produced here in the Bible, that same life is in him, it does not produce itself in you, then you've got the wrong revelation. So you understand that what you're looking for then is the life of Christ that's in you. And if you have that community element of, of the body taken away and you're just now totally exposed between your relationship, between you and Christ, and you're standing there and you're saying, I don't really have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I think it's a good thing that this happened. Because you can introspect and you can say, Lord... Examine my life and allow me to know where my strength lies. It does not rely in the community. It relies in you. He says, now, if I put a a life of a pumpkin into the life of a pear tree, it would bear pumpkins. But their fruits, by their fruits, you shall know them. Exactly right. And if the first, if you put put out a tree and a grape... Uh, uh, vine, and it put out a, a branch of grapes, and the first shoot put out, brought out grapes, and the next one brought out lemons, and the next one brought out pears. He says, the, the next one brought out apples, and there is some kind of grafted affair in there that's bearing its own life. Every denomination will bear life of, it, of itself, but if that original vine ever puts out another shoot, it will bear grapes just like it did the first time. So you can't tell me that, yes, I have a personal relationship with Christ. I draw my strength there. So therefore, I don't need the community aspect of the order of the church. Then you're acting outside of the order of the church. Because that's wrong. Because the scripture clearly says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Come together. Allow the the, the pastor, the, the evangelist, the teacher to preach from the word of God so that we can be brought into the unity of the faith, which is the Holy Ghost operating on the basis of his own word, manifesting his fruit through you. So to say, I don't don't need that, I, I can have a tape church and I can just be over here, is wrong. But to also say, all I need is the community... And I, I, you know, I don't really have to have a personal relationship with Christ. Is to totally miss the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, because the new birth is, uh, uh, in its most simplest form, is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is to you personally. And to be able to say, I have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, enables you, and to have that manifesting in your personal life, even when you're alone. And when you have everybody else uh, apart from that, having that will enable you to be a successful part of the community of the body of Christ. So one connects to the other, and you can't have one without the other. 
Iron sharpens iron. And in order to be sharpened by iron, you have to have another piece of iron. So if we have iron together, we can get sharpened. It's very simple. And it's very effective. Brother Branham, he draws this, um, he draws our attention in this quote, he draws our attention to uh, uh, this, this theme of grafting. And I just, I want to uh, just, just talk about this uh, just for a minute because this was on my, on my heart. <clears throat> and he, 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 um, he brings our attention to this many times and, and the, the identifier of, of, uh, of what spirit lies behind something is the, the fruit that comes from a branch. So he says, you look at the fruit to see what, what is, is, is behind it, where, where it draws its strength. And um, to identify something false, uh, uh, he, he makes this statement as well, to identify something false, you have to study the real. So to identify a false dollar, they study the real, and that, get, that enables you to see the false. Now, um, so in order to see what, what something is drawing its strength from, you see what the fruit is on the vine, uh, or the fruit is on the branch, to see what was at, uh, uh, see if it matches up with the beginning of what is naturally in that vine. And if it, if it, the two don't match up, you can see that there's something false there. So this concept of grafting um, is is found in a few places, and it's actually fascinating. And I I I would love to do just a separate sermon on on how to graft uh, different flowers together, but um, I don't think that would go over so well. <clears throat> but this theme was there in Scripture, even in, uh, uh, in Paul's time. So if you go with me to Romans, um, the 11th chapter, he begins to talk about this. Um, uh, 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 he begins to talk about this theme of grafting. And, um, you know, this, uh, so this was not something that, that Brother Branham came up with. This is something that had been going on for centuries, ever since mankind developed this concept. And so what you do is you take a stem and you divide it, and then you cut the, the stem of the other branch. So you have a, a, a trunk or a branch or a vine, and then you have a branch of something else, and you fuse the two together, and then you wrap it up, and over time, uh, a callus is formed on the branch side, and the vine side is pushing out cells all the time. So the, bo- the, the, the vine that you're grafting to is pushing out life and trying to get nutrients up. And, and, and that's constantly going on. So when, when it is pushing up, it begins to form cells, and it begins to form a fusion around the callus of the other plant because the grafted plant is calloused in a way that it's trying to protect itself. So the, the, the fusion of the cells has to go around it, and then it clasps together, and then eventually it will be drawing nutrients from the vine after a while. But the, the cells have to be right. Now, the interesting thing about this, and we don't really have time to go into this, um, is that uh, uh, you can't take a cherry tree and graft it to an apple tree and have apples and cherries. But you can take a different kind of apple and graft it with a different kind of apple tree. So you can take a Macintosh apple and graft it to a, um, a, a Honeycrisp apple. Or you can take a, uh, uh, as Brother Branham references in Scripture, which is uh, what, what the brother was growing when he saw this originally, you can take a, a, a tangerine and, and graft it to a citrus tree because the cells and the makeup are correct. So something can be very close to the original, but it has to be close enough for the cells to be able to fuse. 
So you can't take a, a, a Hindu and, and, and have him connected to the scripture and have him turn out, he, he can't draw from the life that is within Christ. But you can take uh, uh, someone who, who, who has similar thinkings to, to, the, to the scripture and is off just a tiny bit and graft it and it will look like it's correct. So Brother Bannum says now, the denominational systems are grafted into the vine of the Holy Ghost and they're drawing from the life of the Holy Ghost because they're similar in nature, but the, the, it's producing wrong fruit. And God recognizes the, the seed, by the, the, uh, or God recognizes the fruit that is delivered, not the branch. So God is looking at the fruit. That is what, he is, that is what God produces is the kind of fruit that, that was in the original seed. That's what he wants to see, not that someone can draw life from the vine. So he's not looking that you can uh, 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 just s- uh, draw from the community of the church and start to act like the church and, and start to uh, uh, you know, benefit off of the prayer of the church, benefit off of you know, uh, the church offering you what you have need of and things like that. You can't just draw from that and begin to assimilate into that culture and expect to turn out okay. So when you have this element of community taken away, like we have right now, we're in a place where our personal relationship with the Lord, the fruit that we produce in our lives, is clearly in sight. And it behooves the Christian to examine what that is. God is looking at the fruit. He's not looking at how well you can assimilate into a community. That's, that's, a, a, that's Christianity by association, not Christianity by knowing who you are in Christ. That's the objective. That's what God is after. Romans chapter 11, he says now, and he, he's speaking of Israel in Romans chapter 11, you can read in detail. Um, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 11, he, he speaks um, uh, uh, in, 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 uh, in great portion here about Israel, how it's judicially, it's blinded and things like that. But he begins to speak about Israel and um, in, in regards to uh, the Gentiles. So verse 17 is, is where we can start. Romans eleven seventeen, And if some of the branches are, uh, be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, uh, and with them partakest of the root of the fatness of the olive tree, uh, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now just to pause there. The... The, uh, the Israel was growing up. Now, God dealt with Israel as a nation. He always dealt with them as a group of people. He deals with, he deals with you as an individual. So he does not deal with us as a group. He deals with us personally as an individual. That's why it's not a, a certain place of assembling. That's why it's not a certain pastor. That's why it's, it's where, where God has led you to be and where God and how God is dealing with your personal life. That's what it's about. With Israel, he dealt with them as a nation. But you can see here in the scripture, he says, now, the, the vine came up, and the vine is the Holy Ghost. The vine is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the tree comes up, and it was an olive tree, and the first, of, because of unbelief, was cut off and put away. So the branch was put away. And so now, the wild olive branch, which he says here, 
and the uh, the uh, and thou art broken off, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, which is the Gentile church. So he's saying the Gentile church, it was an olive branch. So it wasn't uh, um, you know a fig tree and then an olive olive branch on top of it. It was an olive tree and then it was an olive branch. So the fruit that was going to be produced from that branch was the same life that was in the vine. So it was an olive tree producing olives. It wouldn't be an olive tree producing figs. So he says now, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. So in other words, he's saying, If you think that you bear the root then you are boasting wrongly. The root supports you, the branch. So he, Paul is identifying the individuality of Christ and he's teaching the Romans very specifically what he was enduring and what he was openly manifesting in Philippians to the, in the Roman church. So he's saying, you don't support the root. The root is what gives you the life to be able to produce the fruit. And the fruit was already in you to produce. It's not anything that you, you had anything to do with this. God is the one that placed you in that source of life. And you naturally bear fruit. A sheep naturally bears wool. An olive tree naturally bears olives. Because you are drawing from the same source that was in the root. So when it fused around that olive branch, it produced, it drew from the same life. But the fruit is very different than any other branches that he could have been grafted into it. And then in Philippians, Paul is saying, listen now, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he puts it in the reality of hard living, in the ruggedness of what it is to live a Christian life, out in plain view. And he says, listen, in whatever situation I am, regardless of how bad my job gets, regardless of how bad my family situation gets, regardless of how many mistakes I make, I am content wherever I am. I've learned to live with need. I've learned to abound. So he begins to place this this ruggedness and this keeping power as to what it is. It's the Holy Ghost at work in an individual's life that's keeping them where they need to be. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that is openly manifesting a perseverance to the original Word of God. So it's not something that we're veering off into philosophy or philosophizing about what this needs to be or whatever it be, if if philosophizing is even a word. But we're not philosophizing about, you know, this is how I think this theology needs to work. We're allowing the Holy Ghost to act upon the basis of His own Word in our lives and that produces Christ. That's what He's looking for. That's what it is. And so when you see um, um, Paul addressing those at Coloss, he says, no, 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 no. You, you have an anointing. You need to have this anointing to rise above the, the, the philosophy, the theology, uh, the wrong theology. You need to rise above that. And there's nothing that's, that's, that enables you to do that except the power of God, the anointing over the age. The bride will do what she is anointed to do. So the bride is, is, is um, God said, uh, or Brother Branham said that uh, the, the bride, God regulates the seed to meet the season that they are in, not the season to meet the seed. 
So God has the world working in a certain way, and He regulates the bride to meet the season that they are in. So He's given you this anointing of an eagle to rise above all of the things that, that uh, the, the world is still trying to figure out and still trying to manifest on their own. And He's, he's giving you the ability, and by drawing from the vine... Uh, by, by the ability to look beyond the philosophy and see it's the word of God that I, that I need to adhere to. It's the word of God that's the only thing that I will fuse to. I can't fuse to any of the uh, man's thinking about, about what this needs to be. I can only fuse to the Holy Ghost and what He's doing in my life. And so you're looking beyond that with, the, with the, uh, the, the vision of an eagle to see that's the only thing that makes sense to me. That's, that's nothing but the fruit of God in an individual's life. So we get so caught up in, well, I've got to do this, I, I make this mistake, and I make this mistake, when in actuality it's your perseverance to looking beyond all of those things and looking at the Word of God because it's the Word of God that is the root that brings out the, seed, the, the fruit in your life. And the fruit is a perseverance to the Word of God. You know, you know how you have the Holy Ghost when you know how you uh, abide in the words of God and the Word for your day. And the Word for your day... It gave you an awareness of who you are in Christ by bringing you higher than just philosophy and adhering to the community of the church. You came beyond that to fully in Christ to a place where I recognize myself in the scripture. It is only the vine that I draw my life through and that adherence to the word of God and the message of the hour, which the message of the hour brings us back to the unadulterated word of God. The Holy Ghost then operates above that and that quickens something in your soul and that brings out the fruit that God wants to see. Now, John 15, just to put this in a scriptural perspective, he says, I am the, I am the true vine. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh it away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. In other words, when, uh, that, what that means is you, you prune it, you take care of it. So if, if a branch is put forward, and he says now, if, if every branch beareth fruit, he purgeth it, he, he takes care of it, that, that it may bring forth more fruit. So notice now there's three kinds of things that he's talking about. Fruit, more fruit, and then much fruit. Right now we're at more fruit. Verse 3. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. And the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. And no more can ye, except ye abide in me, and I am the vine. Ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So he's, basic, he's saying now, he's teaching uh, and Paul brings into clarity what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus is saying, now listen, if, 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 if I am in the vine, and a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. So no more can ye except ye abide in me. And I am in the, I am in the vine, and ye are the branches, and he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So Paul begins to say, it is Christ that strengthens you. You can do all things that you need to do through Christ who strengthens you. 
And in Colossians, he says, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying, because he's saying, you can't, you can't produce much fruit unless you are in the vine. And the Gentile church was grafted in, and you, 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 you come into an awareness of where you draw your strength. So your personal relationship is with Christ is totally reliant on where you are drawing your strength. And you can't draw strength alone from the community aspect of the body of Christ. It has to come from the Holy Ghost. And only when you have a personal relationship with Holy Ghost, when the, when the community aspect is stripped away, will that fruit be on the vine. You can see what fruit is on the vine. And when, that, when the community is in operation, then God can use you more abundantly because you can produce much fruit within the vine of Christ. So he says, he that abideth in me, and, and except you abide in me, the, the, uh, um, without me you can do nothing. Verse 6. And if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. And if is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein, this is an important aspect of this, herein is the Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciples. So this process of abiding in the vine, and the Gentile church was grafted in. So you didn't have anything to do with being grafted into the, into the church, you merely came to an awareness of who you were in Christ because you can see the life of Christ in your life. So you, you can't say, well, I was grafted in. That was, and, and, and Paul is basically warning. He's giving a warning to the church as at the same time he is revealing to the Romans that they were grafted in and they were enabled this uh, uh, reconciliation, this uh, reconciliatory act of Christ through being grafted into the vine. So he's saying that to them at the same time. He's saying, now listen, it's not you that gives life to the, to the root. It's the root that gives life to you. So he's, admin, he's, he's, he's um, uh, 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 telling us, you need, to, you need to understand where you draw your strength from. And so we see here, uh, to bring forth much fruit... This is for the glorification of the Father. Herein is the Father glorified that you bear much fruit. God is, by their fruits you shall know them. God is looking at the fruit. He's looking at what, what your life produces. And if your life produces a perseverance to, to, to uh, a staying with the word of your day, with the message of the hour, that's the fruit that God is looking for. If, if, you, if you account yourself only by the fruit of your fallen flesh, then you will never think that you measure up to what God is looking for. Because you're going to account yourself by, well, I, I made this mistake, and I made this mistake, and I made this mistake. And, and God is looking, uh, um, uh, uh, your, your salvation is what God did for you, and your works, if you, you give God your faith, but your works is what those around you see, as Brother Branham said. So we look at our mistake and we, we think, oh my goodness, I, I'm not measuring up. When in actuality, God is looking for a, an adherence to, to the unadulterated word of God, which is what the Holy Spirit can work, uh, work on, which purges your desires for the wrong things. So over time, over the course of a, of a lifetime, God will work on you, God will, will, will mold you, God will shape you into the likeness of his son. That process happens until the, the taking away of our bodies.
So if we only focus then on the sum total of the, the wrong that we've done versus the sum total of the good we've done, then we'll never be able to match up to what, is, what, what God is looking for because we draw life from the vine. So our ability to adhere to the scripture according to the community of, of the body of Christ is, is, is not giving life to the vine. We draw life from the vine and we bear fruit as a result of what God is looking for. So God's life pushes out that fruit in your life, and he's looking for that perseverance. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into this, into this marvelous light. The purpose of bearing fruit is so that the Father would be glorified, and it's not so much that the branch can boast, and, 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 and look at, you know, the Jews were put away and we're here. And, and Paul is admonishing that and he's saying, listen, you need to be careful of that. Now you are clean uh, um, um, uh, uh, through the word in John when it says that in, in verse 3. That's the logos. So you're clean through the word. That Greek word there, word, is the logos. So you're clean by the Holy Ghost. So Paul, he, Jesus is explaining the process of redemption, and he's, he, he's explaining a, a person needs to be justified, sanctified, and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when that is in place, that individual can bring forth much fruit, and that is the glorification of the Father. That's the purpose of the fruit, is to bring glory for the Father. Herein is the Father glorified that you bring forth much fruit. The denominational systems are grafted in. And essentially, if you look at it, they draw life from the same source. Brother Branham says they can draw life from the vine because it's very similar to what the vine was, but it's not the fruit that you're looking for. The community of of, of believers is, is what's really important there in the organizational system. The organizational system has to thrive on members. So therefore, the fruit of that kind of uh, um, thinking is going to be a member-producing effort, sure. right? Sure. So if, if you can make someone feel like they're a part of the body, then, they, then, then they'll come. An organizational system, like, uh, the, 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 um, um, like you know, the, the Lutheran, uh, uh, the, the bishops and the way that they work, the, the Lutheran denominational system, that thrives on membership, that's, that's the essence of that organization. So it's natural that the fruit that they're going to bear is not in accordance with what Acts chapter 2 produced. They produced an assembly of believers, a community of believers, but that's not what God was after in the individual. It's an individual personal affair between the Lord Jesus Christ and that individual. And so it took the Malachi 4, it took the prophet of Malachi 4 to rise us above that, to point us back to the word, to say, oh, well, hang on a second. It's between me and Christ. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. It is Christ in me who's enabling me to draw from the source of the, of the vine. That's what he's looking for. So, and, and, and you know, just in, a, in a, a natural sense, to take the body of Christ and to segment them and to say, I am a Presbyterian. I hold to the, the Presbyterian um, uh, faith. Or I am a Baptist, and I will hold to the Baptist faith. To segment that is, is unscriptural. It's, it's unscriptural in its basis because it, there's neither Greek nor Jew uh, nor anybody in the, in the, in the uh, uh, body of Christ. Brother Branham made the statement that the, when the vine puts forth another branch, it will be interdenominational. 
He makes that term, it will be interdenominational. In other words, it's not going to be a segmented group. It's going to be a group that adheres to the word of God. And there are those that are predestinated to adhere to the word of God because they were in Christ in the beginning. So the grafting is an analogy. But you as an individual in Christ, you were there with him in the beginning. That eternal part of you that's, that's the soul was a part of Christ. That's how you can say... I'm flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. I was reading the other day, and I'm just going to try to bring this to a, an end. I was reading the other day. I picked up a book in the airport <clears throat> um, before all this started. And it was a, a, a book written by the Harvard Business Review. And it, it, it was called Mental Toughness. And so it just caught my eye. And I just picked it up and I started reading it. And um, it, it's a, a book about... Um, people in high-stress situations and uh, executives and how they deal with that and, um, you know, in a, in a, being in a constant state of, of negotiation and uh, uh, the political nature of a corporation and things like that and making sure your job is okay and uh, that you're, you know, aligning your, all that kind of stuff. And it was actually, it was, it was an interesting book. Um, and, you know, I began to think about that and I, I thought, a mental toughness, and they begin to think if you if you are if you have a big failure, how how can you develop back from that? And I begin to think, you know, there's a lot of people who are mentally tough. There's a lot of people who are who have the capability to bounce back from adversity without any any help uh, 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 from scripture or, or or anything like that. Just totally uh, uh, um, ungodly people. And over time and over experience, you you can build up this ability to mentally endure things. And you look at the older generation. You look at, um, and, and I actually, uh, 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 partly what, what triggered this in my thinking is I look back on um, uh, uh, just speaking with my grandmother and how she dealt with things and uh, uh, just her ability. As she got older, she would tell me, she said, the longer I go, um, the more I know it's in God's hands and I can just relax. And she was a worrier. She, she worried about a lot. And she said, the more that I go, the more I can just leave it in God's hands. Because experience built that in her. The fact, the, the fact that everything will be okay. God, God will honor his word. I'll, get, I'll make it through. We'll somehow make it. And I think just whether or not you're, you're a Christian or not, I think you can build up that mental capacity to handle the difficulties of life. But I, you know, I think in a time like this when... Uh, let's say you've lost your job because of uh, of the of the, the world, or let's say you're you're nervous about being back in in, in society because you're scared you're going to get a, a sickness or something like that, um, or, or just the normal uh, the, just the normal trials of life, so financial difficulties and anything like that. I think as we as we see Brother Branham say, there's a keeping power of the Holy Ghost, and I would say this that the Holy Ghost is more powerful than anything that you will ever face in your life. It's more powerful than any illness that you, you will deal with. It's more powerful than any sense of loss that you'll ever experience. And there is a keeping power in the Holy Ghost. And I said all of that to say this, that when you have the community of, of, of believers stripped away, you're really left, you're almost left on your own, even if you're with your family. Um, you, you don't have friends. You don't have people that you can, you can talk to on a regular basis. 
Um, perhaps you have that. Perhaps you've, you've been going to work like normal. You're essential. And there's no difference. But I, I just want you to think about that just for a second. You can really see yourself as you really are in this kind of predicament. And I think it's important for a Christian to look and say, Lord, am I genuinely relying on you for my strength or am I relying on my, my experiential basis for handling tough decisions? And when you do that, you'll be, you'll be able to change how you make decisions. It's when you begin to really decipher in yourself and in your mind, am I genuinely drawing from the vine or am I drawing from some, some just experiential basis on how to deal with adversity in my life. That's an important thing to realize. Philippians 4, that's why I, I wanted to read the scripture, is because Paul says, he said, not that I respect, uh, speak of respect of want, for I have learned in what's, whatsoever state that I am in, therewith to be content. Now this is not um, an apathy for what is happening. And there are some individuals, I think just in the personality differences between individuals, there are some people who worry about things or will get caught up in things more than others. There were some people who would just distance themselves from adversity and trials. And they'll just, uh, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to, I, I'm just separating myself from it. Then there's others who just want to get right in it and just feel around with it with their hands. You've all experienced that. And, and I'm sure, sure as you're listening to me, you're, you're beginning to think about how you deal with things. And Paul, uh, he, he begins to speak, I have learned what, whatsoever state that I am, therewith to be content. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if, you are, if, you're, if your focus is on the cross, and you really do have a genuine personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your desire is to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. It's to fulfill the perfect will of God for your life. And the perfect will of God for your life is this. It's not, well, I've got to marry this person, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. Um, um, who you marry is, is a choice. And I believe that God has someone, he, he will lead you to who you need to marry, but that's a stepping stone to achieve this, to fulfill this, to manifest this. I think young people get caught up in that so many times. What is the will of God for me? What is the perfect will of God for me? This is the perfect will of God for you. To display this to a hungry world, to a needy world. And who you marry, what job you take, what decisions you make, leads you to fulfilling that. If you acknowledge God in all your ways, He will establish your paths. He will guide you and He will lead you. He'll direct your footsteps. And I, I, I think that's why Paul could say, listen... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that there is something that God wants me to do, and I align my decision-making to that. I do not fear the future. So he's not saying, I, 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 I don't know, you know, he wasn't writing, and while I'm in this prison, I, I, I talk to uh, this guard, and I'm trying to do this, and I've got this thought, and I've got to achieve this. I just love how he writes. In the middle of that adversity, he's saying, I've learned, I have learned to be content wherewith I am. And I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
And then a, a doctrinal situation comes up and he's speaking to the Colossians and he's going back and he's saying, Christ is, is, the, is the, first, uh, the firstborn of every creature. He's, he, he's uh, 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 Christ on high. And, and you need to know who Christ is in your life. He's, he's, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So rise above the philosophy, will you? He said, rise above the traditions of men and realize who you are in Christ. And it's, it's a... It's a a real life application of the fruit being on the vine. This is the manifesting time. The fruit is on the vine. It's the harvest season. So we have the fullness of the word in, in its place as a result of the eagle anointing that's brought the bride into position where they can look beyond the segmentation of, of Christianity and they can look at the, the original word of God and say, that's where I need to be grafted. That's where I was grafted in. That's what I hold to. That's my source of life. And the Holy Ghost can operate on that basis. And you see miracles and you see things happening on that. Uh, and you see that, that Holy Spirit working in, in the midst of the community of believers. But it, it's on you. It's the individual in Christ. That's what God is looking for. And you get that real life glimpse of regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on in Paul's life, he says... Mm. sometimes I abound, sometimes I am needy. And in both, I know where my strength lies. And what that gives is a keeping power. It's a keeping power of the Holy Ghost. And, and forgive me for this, but that is a genuine mental toughness. Because you can feel as crazy as a crazy person. And God has you exactly where He wants you to be. And you can trust that. The faith that you have, it, 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 it's, it's put in the Word of God. It's placed in the, in, in the, in the hands of God. But trust is, is leaving something in God's hands. So faith is placing yourself there, placing your family there, and trust is leaving it and not picking it up and worrying about it and dealing with it. And so many times, just with our own ability to deal with the adversity and, and uh, uh, the trials of life, our, our natural reaction is to take it back out of the hands of God and deal with it and try to fix it. And it's, uh, you see it exactly the, the same in, in COVID. Uh, uh, people's personalities begin getting to, to come out a little bit where you see uh, 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 people say, I, don't, I, don't, I ain't never cared about all that stuff. And then you have people say, I, I'm not going out. I'm not going out. I'm not going out. They have six masks. And they're, you know, constant, they're just uh, constant mist of hand sanitizer. You see personalities. And, and you know what? That's not essentially wrong because everybody is, 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 is given their own opinion. Sure. Where does your strength lie? And whatever situation you're in, can you be content with that? Good. It's a mental toughness that I believe the Holy Ghost gives. Yes, it's not something that you've just manufactured by your experiential basis, which I think is a good thing and I think that's necessary. And I think especially in your job, uh, I, I think it, it's, it's important for a young man to learn um, the ability to be uh, mentally tough in that sense and, and to be able to deal with a boss who doesn't really like you and to be able to deal with, you know what, that person is maneuvering for my job. I probably need to do some maneuvering myself in a, in a Christian godly way. And you have to, you have to deal with that. That, that naturally comes from life, but there's a, a mental toughness that I believe comes from the Holy Ghost, and you see it in its, in, its just, in its visual perfection in Philippians. When Paul, he's beginning to say, listen, I'm in a lot of situations. I, do, I, I, I experience a lot of things, 
You know, whether I'm experiencing this or that, I'm content. God's, God's got this under control. It's a perseverance and it's endurance that enabled Paul to look back on his life and say, I ran a good race. I fought a good fight. God is looking for that perseverance. And it's, not, it's, it's, it's an adherence to the message of the hour and the word for your day that, that gives you that ability to look above all the, all the philosophy, all the, the vain deceit, and to look beyond to where you actually draw your source of life from. Ah, I draw my source of life from the vine, not from my ability to adhere to a community of believers. Let's pray. Musicians, once you come back and you can sing. I'd like to pray with you wherever you are, wherever you're sitting. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's no doubt many personalities in the bride of Jesus Christ. We're a diverse group. There's no one individual the same. Lord, however we may deal with the situations of life, and no matter if we're an older person, if we're a younger person still trying to find our way, Lord, we, re- we, we recognize where we draw our strength from. And may the fruit that is displayed in our lives be the recognition of, of, of the life that's in our, uh, uh, that, that, that pushes that fruit out. May may that be the glorification of the Father. May that be what you want to see. And Lord, as as a result of it being in the vine and it's pushing out of the branches, we didn't have anything to do with being grafted into the branch. You, You are the one that produces the fruit in our life. So may we look at the revelation that we've received from you. May we take that awareness of who we are in Christ and look at our life circumstances and look at the situations and look at the craziness of of, of this world and say, Lord, if you come 50 years from now, if you come tomorrow, I'll be content where you have me. It's not going to be easy. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I may not be able to handle it as as I feel like I want to be able to handle it. But I know that I know that my strength comes from the Lord. It's the individuality of Christ reaching down to me and anchoring me in the Holy Ghost. And there's keeping power in that. So that it's not me that supports you. It's you that supports me. May we realize that. And may that fruit begin to blossom. May you help us, Lord, to weather the storms as we grow older, as we continue on may you grant it Lord that we realize and genuinely realize as believers filled with the Holy Ghost that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us grant it Lord Jesus we love you and we thank you amen God bless you
say this, when you realize that the root bears you, that puts pride out, that puts your intellect out, it puts your ministry out, it puts a critical spirit out, puts everything else out, because we realize at the end of the day, this isn't about me, it's about him, and he's the one who supports the church, he's the one who holds the church, and now's the time to let the root bear you, now's the time to let uh, your stance be strong, because you realize this is, I'm not standing on my own foundation, but I'm standing on the foundation of Christ Jesus. And that's a wonderful thing. If God only wanted to have a community of people in the building, he never would have suffered the early church to be broken up. He never would have allowed the early church to be scattered. He would have said, no, 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 no. You have to all be together. You have to all be the same. I'd like to say this to you today. I believe with all my heart. That even though we as a community, we're not able to be in the same room, the church is still together. Is that all right? Church is still together. The community, uh, we, we've been, we've been uh, disassociated for a little season here. And that's frustrating and we all would love to reverse that. But you know what? The church moves on. The church is the body of Christ. And 
as far as I understand, I mean, I've read the book from the back to the front, nothing stops him. Nothing stops Christ. And we are a part of him. We are very much a part of him. As, Adam, as Eve was a part of Adam, we are a part of Christ. We are one with him, invisibly united in this time. So you know what? The community, we're not looking at each other. We're hearing each other. We're not looking at one another. But the church is still very much together. The church is together with Christ. And the church is moving on. And I think that's a wonderful way to look at it. And I, I, I just never thought about it exactly that way. But let me tell you something, saints of God. It's, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to let the root bear me. I'm going to let him be my, my platform. I'm going to let him be my foundation. Not my own strength. Not my own ability to figure this out. Or what's next. And what should I do. And what if this. And what if that. And is this theory right. That theory right. Hey, listen. He's the one who's in control. He's always been in control of the church. And I'm good with that. Let's sing this little chorus again. I better quit because I could jump right on that platform and, and be the caboose to this thing and preach for a half an hour. But let's just sing this again. We'll turn it over to Brother Keith and uh, just have a little worship here this morning as we fade out. And uh, thank you for coming and being here and being a part of uh, the assembly this morning. We appreciate it very much and just trust that the Lord will bless you richly. We will have our meeting tonight, 7 o'clock with the men, and then we'll have the meeting also uh, on uh, 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. As we mentioned, we'll be having service every Wednesday night now, whether it'll be a Bible study online or whether it'll be here in the assembly. We'll be having service uh, every Wednesday night. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we've had today to be in your house and to be blessed in your presence. And Lord, there's just really nothing like getting together with the people of God. We believe we're a part of the church, Lord. We thank you for the church community. We thank you for the church building. We thank you for the church grounds and all the great memories that we have of this place. All the great times, Lord, we've had in your presence. But Lord Jesus, we are a part of the church, and the church is still very much together, very much alive, very much moving on. And Lord, when we realize that you're the one that is never surprised by events in this world, it puts away, Lord, all of our, all of our sense of importance, puts away everything, Lord, that we might boast within ourselves, because we are not bearing this church. Lord, you are the root, you are the platform, you are the foundation, as well as the capstone. And how we thank you, Lord Jesus, for that lesson this morning. May, Father, you now you just strengthen and enrich each one. We place our lives into your care. And I pray especially, Lord, that you bring healing to those that need it, Lord. We think of the many folks in our assembly, Lord. We think of Sister Anja and uh, not only dealing with the loss of her husband, Lord, but her brother-in-law as well. And, and, and Lord, we, we think of Brother Ron Spencer and just so many others, Lord, that are needing your touch, Lord. We pray for Sister Karen today, and we just pray that you would just minister mightily, Lord, to her and give her that touch in her body that she needs, Lord. We just pray for her healing. We pray, Lord, for Josh and Kristen today. And, Lord, for the many others that are reaching out to you, Lord, and going through times of extra difficulty, we place them into your care, Lord Jesus. We know you love us. Have your way, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, the great foundation, we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's sing that second chorus. Lord, unveil my eyes. Let me see you face to face knowledge of your love as you live in me.
my mind as your will unfolds in my life and living every day by the power of your love hold me close let your love surround me bring me near draw me to your side and as I wait I'll rise up like the Spirit leads me on in the power of your love, and I will soar with you. Your spirit leads me on in the power of your love. You
I tell you, during this time, that's certainly my true desire. Is I, I know as long as He is near, and I know as long as He is with me, I have nothing to fear, nothing whatsoever. I don't know about you all, but I know that in in the last six weeks that we've been going through this, and it has certainly caused me to to take a step back and and see just where I stand with Him and. The Lord has really, really ministered to me during these times. And the Lord has, has showed up on the scene many times and helped me in many, many ways. And uh, it just seems like that the uh, sermons that have come across the last, especially the last couple of weeks, have just been so real and just so rich. The Lord is really speaking to us and, and getting us ready. We just want to say thank you all for joining us and for tuning in. and. Uh, as Brother Barry said, I just want to echo uh, Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there and to, to my mother and to my wife. And uh, we just ask you to remember each other in prayer because I always say we're all part of the body. So when one part of us hurts, we're all hurting. So remember to pray for each other. And uh, just want to leave with a little bit of good news here as we, as we dismiss. Let's sing this song, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. Amen. You hold to his hand through this time, and God will get us there. We'll keep it in that same key. We'll go back up to G there, yeah. God bless you all. It's been wonderful worshiping with you. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. You see, time is filled with swift transition. Oh, not of earth unmoved can stand. eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand all you do is hold to God's unchanging hand yes hold to God's unchanging hand been true
things eternal and more to God's unchanging hand. Oh, you just hold to God's. God bless you, saints. 